For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, Psalm. It's a special episode. Special. Not just because Andres isn't here. It would be more wow. special if he was here. Are you, but, yeah, it's, it's made, you made it seem for a second like it was special because he wasn't here. No, no, I'm not that fucked up. Okay, cool. Andre, Andres went to Vegas over the weekend, and uh, I think he got corona, so might be out for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, I think oh, so. Damn, yeah. okay, well, get well soon, <laughs> Andres. Yeah, you know, I, I don't like I don't like you starting off these podcasts calling out the person who's not here. You know, you did that last week. You even put it in the bio a psalmless episode like come on man i'm a busy have... guy you can't you're, what, you're trying to give me a hard time no 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 i'm allowed to do that because i have the most caps for the podcast you're allowed to do that okay i'm the most capped podcaster in this group that's fair that's fair yeah i'm gonna make you the captain though <laughs> all right so i mean obviously this was a huge week um i mean we didn't record last week unfortunately but um i mean that 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 we that <laughs> I can't even speak straight because of how how amazing it was that midweek matchup against Liverpool. Obviously not their strongest side, but I mean a win over that side <laughs> against Liverpool is amazing. And then following it up this weekend with facing the other team from Marseille side, just cleaning up Everton four nil. Um, what a, what a match! I mean this has just been. <laughs> The exact opposite of what I expected to be, honestly, with all these injuries. And uh, we love that. we love to just romp Everton at home, don't we? I mean, they looked so bad. I mean, they were really pathetic. Uh, I mean, at every level, midfield, we were dominating them. Giroud was dem- uh, dominating both center halves. I mean, it was really like an uninspiring performance by them. Honestly, it, I don't even didn't know how make, much to play into that. It didn't make any sense from like Ancelotti's point of view because. Like, I get it. I know he's been playing a 4-4-2 most of the season since he's got there. And they've seen some success, right? Like, they had a, they kind of had a new manager bounce under him at first where they won a couple games unbeaten. They looked pretty decent with Charleston and Calvert-Lewin started scoring goals. But if you're Ancelotti and, and you're just looking at Chelsea's team and who's available going into that match, there's no way Frank was going to go with a two-man midfield because mm-hmm. we were just not equipped to do it. You can't play any combination of Billy Gilmore, Ross Barkley, and Mason Mount in a midfield two, right? Because we're missing that – I don't want to say a, a, more of a physical presence but also um, experience, right? Like Kovacic and Jorginho fit that role perfectly. It was just so odd to me that he opted to stay with the 4-4-2 and our three midfielders just had a ball bypassing them. Oh man! And and like, I, don't even get me started on the uh, on Richarlison and Calvert Lewin's performance in the first half. If an 18 year old kid is spraying passes left and right, and just shitting all over your defense and and dominating the game, frankly, wouldn't it make sense to just kind of maybe drop off a little? Hey. I'm going to stay on this 18-year-old. I'm going to follow his ass anywhere he goes on the pitch. And I'm going to make life difficult for him. It just never – it it sort of – it was sort of reminiscent, and I know there's a Merseyside theme here, but it's sort of reminiscent of the Liverpool performance um, against Watford where they were almost defeated before the match even started. Like Klopp had no energy. Ancelotti was just miserable the whole time. There was no tactical flexibility. It was just shocking. 
But yeah. let me run through the, the starting lineup real quick before we delve more into this. So Keppa in goal, back in goal um, again. Back line of Dave, Rudy, Zuma, and Alonzo. Midfield three of Billy fucking Gilmore, the GOAT. Ross, the boss, One Barkley. Billy Gilmore! Ross, the boss, Barkley. I'm back on mm. the bus. Uh, Mason Mount as a third midfielder. And then a front three of William, Pedro, and Giroux. Uh, well, obviously, given that intro, you know where we're starting. Billy Gilmore, <laughs> Billy Goat. I mean, uh, unreal. Seventy three. That's, that's my alarm. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Seventy three out of eighty passes, uh, ninety, which is a ninety one percent pass completion rate, including a key pass, one tackle, one clearance, one interception. <laughs> oh my God! I got to give a shout out to Sheamus uh, to Sheamus right now, real quick. Um, Give, for giving me crap for trying to overreact uh, with from his performance last week against Liverpool and overreacting to Ross's performance, um, only for both of them to follow up with just like clinical clinical performances against Everton. Uh, you know this American right here might overreact a little bit, but you know when uh... I see something legit, when I see something legit, I know it. And and I mean I think Billy, so like. I think what he is is a combination of, like, the strongest points of our midfield. Like, he could do what Jorginho does in the distribution, being that, you know, uh, metronome in the in the midfield. Um, and then I think that defensively, he's, he's, I mean, he's not afraid to put a foot out. You know, he always does. And I think he's a clear upgrade from Jorginho um, and Kovacic, honestly, on the defensive end. Bringing the ball up to up the pitch—that's Kovacic's, you know, main job right there. He he does that phenomenally. I mean, ne- this guy's—I feel like he's just—he's been playing for you know ten years with how much with how calm he's been, you know, just on the pitch. And, you know, you don't sense any type of urgency whatsoever when he gets the ball. Mm-hmm. He knows where he's going with it. You know, calm, quick turn if he needs to. Um, I it was just unbelievable from what I saw. Um. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to compare him to N'Golo Kante because I think they're just fundamentally completely different players. But I think comparing them to, you know, comparing them to Jorginho and Kovacic and how they play within our midfield three, like, I think he does what both of the, both those players do and a little bit better. You know I mean, like, I, 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 and Zach, to please tell me if you think I'm going over the line a little bit i mean maybe 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 over the line and saying that he's a clear upgrade as of right now but um no look so i'm like like i'm on the hype train i'm all all on board with the hype train the kid is special and and i think there's a level of talent there and natural ability um that is unmatched um in terms of the rest of the youth at our club i think he's the most naturally gifted footballing brain Mm-hmm. Out of any of those youngsters that we have, you know, uh, not to say that, you know, most fans are probably going to be up in arms and say Reese James. I know Andres, me and him had this debate over the weekend. Reese James is, has a brilliant football IQ as well. But Billy Gilmore just seems he, he just gets it. And, you know, the most impressive part about him is that he's only 18, but he looks like a 35 year old veteran midfielder, a seasoned mm-hmm. pro. Right. Like. He, he he looks like one of those European players that go to the MLS 
um, and just like completely dominate the game from beginning to end and gets on the end of every move and at least has a, 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 a bite of every move. But the thing with Billy Gilmore for me that I noticed is – and maybe this is why I kind of see where you're coming from in terms of the whole upgrade on Jorginho thing. Jorginho can't turn with the ball. Mm-hmm. And Billy Gilmore could do that. In addition, I I want to sorry to cut you off, but I mean, he he does do the side to side pass a lot, but he is mm -hmm. looking to move the ball up forward way more. I mean, I think he's doing he he, that's his priority. I think I think he's looking for it like quicker. For sure, the quickness of thought is there. It's almost Sesk like. Like we haven't had a midfielder that could just spray passes at like like a fucking madman since Sesk Fabregas. Jorginho doesn't really play the ball forward Mm -hmm. much. Which is, I think, which is why, I mean, I, obviously I don't think at this moment he's an upgrade, but the things that frustrate me about Jorginho, and he, it's it's not a lot, you know, but they're the things that if he adds to his game, he becomes one of the best midfielders in the world. Like, I already see that in Billy, you know, and I'm not, yeah. and that's not me saying that Billy Gilmore is already one of the top midfielders in the world, but it's the things that Jorginho lacks in that Billy Gilmore is like, out of this world and so already at 18 well i know i know um i saw an interview with him and you know he was talking about growing up how his one of his favorite chelsea players to watch was cesc fabregas and, mm-hmm. and he loved the vision that cesc had and the way he was able to just kind of pick out passes over the top at will um and, and billy gilmore has that if you notice his head is constantly on a swivel if you ever watch Jorginho play um, he's not really looking forward much, right? Mm-hmm. I- I- if he is looking forward, he's looking for the next pass. But I feel like Billy Gilmore is looking for the third or fourth ball. He's just way ahead of the game. It's almost LeBron James like in a way, mm-hmm. where you know, like you can read the defense before the defense could read the offense. And Billy Gilmore has that. I think Jorginho's not as quick in his thought. Maybe that's not his, you know, uh, his forte, right? Jorginho's not a forward passer, but in today's football. Um, in, in, in football today in general, you got to be a quick passer. All the pressure comes from the midfield, and, and, and it's just a matter of getting the ball out wide as fast as possible. And Billy Gilmore is really good at that. Um, the one thing, and this is the only deficiency that I could see from now, uh, is his size. Mm-hmm. He's very, very small. Um, but he makes up for it. I mean, you saw yeah. that quote. I mean, I don't know if you saw that quote with the Harry Maguire thing. I don't. Do you see that? Mm-mm. How he said uh, – in their first matchup uh, when they played, what was it, the Carabao Cup uh, earlier this season, he checked in late. And, like, Harry Maguire really roughened him up. You know, he, like, put him in a chokehold pretty much. Like, grabbed him by the throat yeah. and was like, oh, you're you're tiny, you're weak. Like, you're, you know, like, just talking shit like a like like you would want your center back to do. Kind of, you know, John Terry-esque. That's the kind yeah. of thing he would do. But he said he used that as motivation and, like, would never let someone do that to him again. You know, so what he lacks in that um physicality uh, he's gonna make up for with his mentality and like you know his just i mean frank said it best like he, he he's not an 18 year old like he doesn't like he doesn't care he doesn't that play he's like exactly he doesn't care that he's 18 the number he mm-hmm. looks like you know the way he plays is just so seasoned and, and his mindset he's a hard worker uh both on the pitch and off and mm-hmm. training so I mean, I'm just so excited to see what's going to happen with him. I mean, it just keeps on another, another, you know, youthful player. And I bet Ranger fans are just up in arms about losing, you know, a nice Scottish lad like Good him. Old Billy. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself 
you know, like I, I, I said he was, he had the highest IQ out of our youngsters and he does. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, like I, I, I do think that, right? (laughs) Okay. It's not, it's not that bad of a, it's not that bad. No, it's really not. The the more I say it, the better it sounds like the more I'm cool. Okay. But I think the problem is obviously is the small sample size, which is like, it's, it's legitimate, but you know, when a guy like Billy Gilmore, you notice his impact without having to pay attention to him. You know, like for me, like when I want to see what Jorginho is doing, I got to watch, I got to like pay attention to him, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and then you, it's, then you really see what his impact on the match is. It's not, yeah. it's, it's not like, you know, apparent from just watching the match, but with, with Billy Gilmore, you don't have to pay attention. His, his impact is, it, it, it speaks for itself, you know? And I think the players love playing with him too. He's constantly, in motion and I, and that, that was one thing i was checking um you know like i looked at our bench and i'm thinking to myself okay reese james is probably the only player that could slot into our midfield out of anybody on this bench otherwise we'll just go with a drastic formation shift if we need to make substitutions and i'm thinking okay mason mounts running his socks off he's probably going to need a blow um ross barkley usually doesn't last a full 90 billy billy gilmore hasn't even <laughs> started a premier league batch before and he played the full 90. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just his mobility and his willingness to get around the field. He's picking out the right spots to show for the ball. There is always an easy passing outlet to Billy Gilmore's feet when he's on the pitch. And maybe it's due to, you know, as I said earlier, Everton just being completely awful and us having that extra man in midfield definitely helped. And Giroud's just amazing hold-up play. He was unbelievable at the weekend. I mean, we'll get to, we'll get to that because um, I I do have a little something to say about him. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, he just is just an easy target. Like, yeah. I think when when Gilmore looks up the pitch and he sees Giroud holding off on that center back, he's you know he's it, it, I think the best move for him is to just play a strong ball t- right to him, have him hold up play. Like he's looking for that, which is it was amazing. Conf- confusing that Ancelotti didn't try to play Yeri Mina against Ali Giroud because you know just for like because Yeri Mina is probably the only guy that could win that th- that that'll win more headers than Giroud yeah probably in the league um, I mean but, but Giroud wasn't giving them problems with their head I mean he was just like no no he was just posting push, them up exactly yeah. and just pushing them off and you know I think I mean he came he came within inches of a couple of two more goals you know just pushing mm-hmm. off the back of the uh, the back of the center back and just going around him. And I mean, that's, I, I, I gotta say before we get into Ross, uh, I mean, Lampard has, you know, really looked like a genius with his persistence of starting Ross. And he's really looked like an idiot for taking so long in playing Georgie, I mean, playing Giroud, uh, because I mean, this is something that we've seen last year. We've seen mm-hmm. it his whole career and it's, it, it, it was really, really surprising to see how much run he was giving Mishi Batshuayi when um, Giroud's sitting there on the bench like, hey, <laughs> remember well, me? To, to, to kind of play devil's advocate, I think what Frank was going for was not necessarily who will bring the more well-rounded game. He was just looking for goals, and Giroud doesn't score very many goals. He's not prolific by any means, right? Like... I think I think it's fair to say that he is a top quality backup striker, um, but I mean, he's, he's definitely not gonna get the goals for you. But he's think... not going to get you fifteen or twenty goals. Right. It's, it, that's just not who he is. But but I think I we're think... able to score more goals when he's on the pitch. Yeah, know? of course, and, and and that's something that Frank's realizing now for sure. 
because Michi Batshuayi only scores goals. He doesn't do anything else, right? Mm-hmm. He can't play with his back to goal. He doesn't really link up play very well. He's not as mobile as you would think he is. You know, he's a bit strong, but that's about it. And Ali Giroud, yeah, for his lack of goals and his lack of pace, he brings a sense of physicality. He brings calmness. But he's also – now he's actually starting to put some shots on frame and, and score some goals. And he's a type of player where if you can get some momentum under him, you can pop. Possibly ride out the rest of the season with him playing, you know, a decent chunk of your games. Granted, Tammy doesn't come back. If Tammy doesn't come back, I am completely okay with him starting the rest of the season. Not saying it's a guaranteed nailed on top four, but we won't not finish in the top four for starting Giroud. Um, I, 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 I refuse to believe that argument. As much as I love Tammy Abraham, he scores goals. He's my favorite. He's my favorite youngster out of all of them, even though I just, mm-hmm. you know, basically, you know, Gave the claimed allegiance to Billy Gilmore. Gilmore. But like Tammy's always going to be my favorite. But Giroud to me is just – he's he's exactly what we need. A veteran striker to come off the bench, give you some of that little extra umph, strength. Mm -hmm. He has that experience. He's level-headed. He's a World Cup winner. Like that that's the kind of guy you want around your squad, especially a young squad. But anyways, what – I just want to say one last thing about Billy Gilmore before we not mention him for the next like two and a half minutes. <laughs> just just that's one how last. Long, that's how long it'll last until he's inevitably brought, brought up again. That's it. <laughs> there was one play where ball went out, left-hand side, just inside Everton's half, and it was our throw. And I have never ever in my life seen an 18-year-old bark at a 30-year-old man like I did this past weekend when Billy Gilmore yelled at Alonzo for his positioning at one point because he wasn't tracking back. Mm-hmm. And he left this huge gap. And you could tell Billy Gilmore, like, at first Billy Gilmore took a couple steps over to the left-hand side to kind of cover for him. And then you hear him screaming and screaming. Marcus Alonzo turns around. Billy Gilmore does a little point, And Alonzo gets on his bike and just sprints maybe 25 yards back into his position because there's someone there to tell him what to do. I'm not saying Jorginho doesn't do that. But I mean, Sam, you're, you're, you're making you're making all these comparisons with Jorginho and Billy Gilmore. That's something that Jorginho would do, but Billy Gilmore has that at 18. Right. I think yeah. Oh, that, I think that's 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 he, the best way to 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 carpent carpent. What's the word? Carpent. <laughs> do you know what the word? I'm thinking what are you of? even trying to say? Uh, carpentimalize. <laughs> I can't say. Compartmentalize. Yeah. Compartmentalize. <laughs> compartmentalize oh what the Yikes. hell is wrong with me oh, God. yeah that's a good way to compartmentalize it because i mean obviously we're not saying that he's better than Jorginho, but the ability like being able to do what Jorginho does at that age is just unbelievable all right we i also sorry i also think minutes, uh, come on no i know i know i'm sorry i i said i was gonna go on a tangent for two and a half minutes and then we won't talk about oh, him for like it. okay yeah, probably like five, more like five or six minutes. But okay, last thing, I promise. Okay, last thing until the yeah. next thing. Yeah, I swear. Very last thing. Um, so I just want everybody to be aware, right? We're giving Billy Gilmore all this praise. We're giving him all this clout. We're talking about how great of a footballer he is. He's the future of Chelsea. That's fine. That's dandy. Yes, he is not Cesc Fabregas yet. 
He is not going to be a Barcelona-style midfielder in two years, three years, maybe not even four or five years. We have to give him time. And I think the fact that he's been thrust into the squad and and the fact that he's had pressure put on him because of our lack of squad depth at the moment and the injuries, I think that's definitely helped him feel more comfortable fitting in with the team. Um, but we can't be putting these unreasonable expectations on him. So with that being said, the first average performance we see from him or the first pedestrian performance or the first bad giveaway or, you know, yeah, the first time, he, let's not jump on his back. Because we fell into this trap early on in the season when Tammy and Mason Mount were banging in goals. All of a sudden, when they dried up, people are pissed off that they're not world class. Mm-hmm. Like, get like get a hold of yourself. 18 I'll... years old, yeah. let him mold. Let him make those mistakes. I'd rather have him make those mistakes this season and next season as opposed to you know three, four years down the line when we're a, a, a proper Champions League side or possibly a title-winning side. Right. I just me, don't want to me... be putting that on. A part of me like doesn't like the fact that he just played so well in the first couple matches because of exactly what you said. When he has his first, you know, poor match, it's going to be all out on him. You know, like I'm I'm interested to see what the reaction is going to be. Um, but let's let's move on to Ross Barkley. I mentioned him earlier. Oh man, I am riding this <laughs> this Ross bus hard, man. I'm driving a hundred miles per hour in a sixty. Or kilometers like Sandra per Bullock hour. and Keanu Reeves, aren't yes, you? Yes, yes. Like the movie Speed. Uh, right. I can't. I can't slow down, or else we'll all die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ross. Ross Barkley. Okay. Uh, Seamus, another another shout out to you, because Ross Barkley is just a proper... all over Seamus today, man. Well, he, he was all over me last week. Okay. I mean, he, you know he, what? He came it, at me. It, it, in all in all, in all fairness, yeah. it is like. It is like proper banter. Like I know Seamus is a listener, yeah. and I know he doesn't agree with all our points. And to be honest with you, that's why I love the guy. Well, you think this is this is bad, bad willed? This is banter. No, no, not at all. It's just banter. banter. I, I love it. I keep it up. I I, I want to see more Seamus. Honestly, that I, I got to say it was a little bit weak how you came at me. So maybe Damn. maybe next time come at me with a little bit something better. But um, <laughs> so I mean he. Uh, I'll start off with the. Uh, a question from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe. He says, on your boy Ross, I think he's talking about me, by the way. That's my boy Ross. A couple of good games. Has he found his groove, or is it him just wanting to show up against his old club and their biggest rival? Oh, see, I, I had that written down, that exact point. Like, mm-hmm. is is that just, you know, him against Liverpool and his old club? Like, because, you know, when he's, when he's motivated, maybe, you know, or... Or maybe he needs to just be motivated by something in order to play like this. But, you know, quickly going through his stats, three shots, two on target, and a goal. I don't know why that's not on here. Don't forget Uh, that he scored. No, he didn't have a goal. (laughs) 58 in the Liverpool match. Uh, Uh, Wait, wait, did he also – so he also scored – yeah, two goals in the last. No, he didn't score against Everton. He had two assists. You're right. I have that. Yeah, he scored a goal against Liverpool. Uh, 58 out of 59 passes complete. 98% 98% pass completion rate. Wow. Seven out of nine dri- dribbles one, two out of two tackles one, two assists. I mean, this is, this is the guy we've had a, the biggest love hate relationship with. I mean, mm-hmm. in a while, to be honest, but lately it's been only praise. I mean, he's, he's, he's looked really different. I mean, the ball he is, the ball is, the ball is still <laughs> sticking to his feet a little bit longer than it should, but he's making like, He's making quick moves to 
beat a defender and then quick and then pass the ball after that. It's not him just dribbling the ball aimlessly. And obvious and then yeah, what I was thinking of was the assist to to, to Pedro, which Ugh. could be the goal of the season, to be completely it's honest. A build up. Yeah. I mean it was it was Billy it was Billy to Mason to to uh to Ross and then down down the middle of the pitch Pedro peeled off Pedro. the back yeah um I mean all those are all one touch passes by the way uh but Billy you know it's it <laughs> even to go back even further Billy getting the ball doing a quick turn and then laying the ball off I mean that's just I think I, that was probably my favorite goal of the season. I ha- See, I, I think I watched it at least 15, 20 times. When something like that happens, and when, at that very moment, now that you even mentioned it, Sam, that's like a situation where Jorginho just would have played the safe ball either way back to Keppa or to one of the center backs and just been like, all right, mm. we won the ball, let's reset. Right. Whereas Billy Gilmore sees an opportunity – could turn, like I said earlier, something that Jorginho doesn't really do, but something that we've seen Kovacic be arguably world-class at. Um, but but he has that ability too. But just to kind of go back to Ross Barkley, I think, Sam, and, and you're going to love it when I say this, I actually think he's forming a place for himself at Chelsea. Not yeah. just in this team for the next 11 or 12 games. I know it's only been you know two or three decent performances on the spin, but he showed that he could play in different positions and be impactful um, against um, against Spurs, where he played in the front three. He looked really good, um, and, and and we talked about that being his best game of the season. Fast forward to Liverpool earlier in the week, really comfortable on the ball, um, quick decision making, started running at defenders, physically imposes himself on the game, which is probably the thing that frustrated me the most about him was he he never ran at people. He had seven – he completed seven dribbles in this game, Sam. That, <laughs> those are like hazard numbers, right? Like that's ridiculous. I think the only people that attempt that many dribbles per game this season are probably maybe – what, like Wilfried Zaha? Mm-hmm. Maybe like St. Maximin or like Almiron, like one of those Newcastle guys because they don't I mean, pass Ross, Ross gets but, up there, but it's like – it's like, oh, uh, we got to keep I, – I wish that his numbers were lower because every time he dribbles with the ball, he loses it, you know? No, he, he seems to have a knack of keeping the defender on his back hip like while he's dribbling, right? Like when he runs through people, if he feels contact, he'll keep his body on top of yours even though he's not running that fast. He's still making up a lot of ground and preventing the defender from winning the ball off of him. Mm-hmm. There was a situation where um, it was uh, Tom Davies – and Ross Barkley go shoulder to shoulder. And obviously, you know, Tom Davies, he's not the strongest ever, but he's a physical mm-hmm. player, right? Um, he's very aggressive. And I wasn't thinking that he's going to bump Ross Barkley off the ball, but I'm thinking to myself, okay, Ross Barkley's going to go off balance and, you know, like probably make like a half decent pass or, you know, a pass backwards. Whereas he stayed on his feet, he kept his body against Davies and used the physicality of Davies against him. He started leading into him and Davies was the one getting off balance and he just keeps dribbling and creates – and he might, he must have – this was in the second half. I think you know what I'm talking about where he cut mm-hmm. back on him like three times in, the, in like 30 seconds. And it was sort of like watching like a, like a Sunday league match here where like you know there's one really good player and a bunch of fat old guys. And he just destroys everybody. It, it sort of looked like that at times. Mm-hmm. But the confidence we're seeing from Ross Barkley, some, the the efficiency, you look at the pass completion rate, he looks comfortable. And I think it all goes down to Frank Lampard's man management this season. He has an ability 
to just completely remove players from a side for long periods of time and bring them back in, not necessarily seamlessly, but he brings them back in confident, which is a very, very difficult thing to do. If you look around the squad, he did that to Marcus Alonso. He's done it to Ross Barkley now. Pedro, much of the same. Olivier Giroud, much of the same. Um, he, he even, uh, he, you know, he's he did it to Kovacic. Mm-hmm. Kovacic had a really good run of games in December, January, and he got dropped for like four or five matches in a row. Came back, responded really well. well I think Kepa, the only, of course, obviously too. Kepa, yeah, Kepa's another one. But I think the only one that hasn't really worked out is Tamori. But at the same time, I think Tamori is in the most difficult position out of any of our youngsters because he's playing in the only area of the field where we don't have um, stability or yeah. you know uh, a, a, a cohesion. Right, well, our midfield we we get that, but we'll get into that more. Um, yeah, about you know the role players and Tamori even. But um, let's just finish up our thoughts on Ross Barkley. Do you uh, think he has Ross, a future at Chelsea? Song Ross and, Barkley? Yes. Beyond this season. Of course. I mean, I, I okay, here's the thing, though. Like, we are stacked at midfield, but uh, I think that... I think Georgine goes off. That's what I'm personally. saying. Like, I feel like a lot of a lot of these guys could be sold for a lot more than Ross Barkley could. Yeah. And Ross, at this point, I mean, I'm not... It, it, I can't say it right now because I'm basing it off of a couple good string okay. match of okay. matches, but I think that he could like it wouldn't be that much of a downgrade. And and the, the difference in, in you know money that we'd be able to get for them is is much bigger than the drop off in talent. You know what I mean? I think I think he fits what we're trying to achieve perfectly in the sense that you wanna play these young players and you wanna give them minutes, but you also wanna be able to bring in, you know, or like if we lose like a Jorginho or a Conte, they have to be replaced. We're not just mm-hmm. going to sell them and not replace that position on the field with someone else just as experienced as them. But I think having guys like Ross Barkley who know their role, he knows he's not going to play every weekend. Yeah. But now that he has some sort of confidence, he's scoring goals, creating assists, the fans are finally like, you know, really warming up to him again, kind of like they did in the beginning. For the money we bought him for, it really doesn't make sense to sell him for what he's actually worth now, and that's a 30 to 40 million pound player at his age. Now, keep in mind he's English, so that price could be a little bit higher, mm-hmm. but just looking down the line, I think he's the type of player that'll be okay with taking uh, a squad role in the future. And also, and having a guy I... like that in your squad is perfectly ideal. I think his chemistry with Mason Mount is really has been been, been really put on display the last couple matches. So I think a lot has to do with how featured Mason Mount will be in our future. And I think that, you know, I mean, we're going to say it. No, I'm not. You don't know. I wasn't going to say anything controversial. I was just saying, I think that (laughs) Ross Barkley, I mean, this midfield three, I don't know. I I don't know if it was just a really lackluster performance by Everton, but I mean, it looked, it looked like, the best midfield we had all season and you know like if if that's if that's if that's going to be our controversial right no no, but i'm saying if that's going to be our backup midfield plan because i'm not saying because i'm not saying that they should be our they're not our best midfield but they look that was probably the best midfield performance we had but if that's our backup and that's you know the the depth we're working with that's 
that's fantastic. It's not too bad. That's fucking right. And it's just, so here's the thing. I'll kind of I'll kind of simplify it. We bought Ross Barkley for 15. Mm-hmm. If you know, let's say any mid-table club comes by this summer, some and they offer you 35 million pounds for Ross Barkley, do you sell? I mean, I, I'm not gonna say don't sell Ross Barkley for anything. Like, if yeah. we sell him for 35 mil, I would say okay, that's good business. You know, like. I'm not gonna if be... we're only going to make a 5 or 10 million pound profit on him, it really doesn't make sense to get rid of him because for that 25 million that we now have, we can't bring someone in that's just as good. You're right. No, that's that's true. I mean, it, it actually wouldn't, yeah, that, I don't think that would be good business. You're right. I mean, it, it just wouldn't make sense. Yeah. I think for what value that he brings, you're not going to be able to get that as far as a profit. But, I mean, you know, y- 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 you can't really look at it like a profit on a single purchase and sell you know you got yeah. they look at it in, in, in the aggregate picture. for sure yeah. like and he's definitely costed us a lot of money because he's on big wages too so yeah. so we'll see i mean i i would i don't think that ross like you asked me earlier like is does he have a spot in our future for sure like no he's not he's not he hasn't earned that obviously but but you would be would, okay with it i would be i would be very happy obviously yeah. man i'm i'm riding the i'm driving the ross barkley bus uh, I'm bu- I like- I'm buzzing, man. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm I'm really excited, and it's not only for Ross, but it's for Mason Mount too. I know we're gonna get to him. I thought you were say you're happy for me because no, finally no. Ross Barkley is proving. Why would right. I be happy for you? I don't know, bro. I got a lot of crap. Your lo- your law school literally shut down because of some bullshit virus, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm still waking my ass up early in the morning going to work every day. Hey, guess what time I woke up today? <laughs> Getting that bread. I woke up at noon. <laughs> Oh, you woke up six hours later than I did. Uh, all right, let's ask. talk about Mason Mount. <laughs> Mason Mount, two shots, two on target, one goal, uh, 40-43. Passes completed. Oh, yeah, passes completed. Uh, one key pass, five out of five dribbles, two out of three tackles, one, two interceptions. I mean, he. I think this, this season he's really shown that our best midfield three has included him in it. I mean, right? Am, am I? Am I? Is that saying too much? I always say it about Kovacic, and I think I'm ready to say it about Mason Mountsom. I think he is in our best midfield, um, and it's not for one specific thing. He's just he's similar to Kovacic in the sense that he's just really good at everything, but he gets he has a goal in him, and uh, the work defensively, the way he the way he works off the ball obviously mm-hmm. in the press that's probably him at his best is when he's when he's counter pressing um but you know his, his technical ability his footwork um he, he's decent at set pieces he never stops running the one thing that does kind of scare me is that he he's almost reckless at times in terms of the way he uses his own body he gets he picks up a lot of knocks um but it, it, i'm not saying like he's injury prone or anything along those lines but everyone on our just team is injury prone Huh? Everyone on our team is injury prone. Yeah, it seems like yeah, and it goes with my conspiracy theory about the Chelsea uh, train staff. But um, no, our best midfield definitely has Mason Mount in it. I don't think there's a question. Um, what he brings to the table is something that none of our other midfielders really do. I think Mason Mount is everything that Frank Lampard has tried to make Golo Conte to be, um, and, and and it's working out for us. Uh, you want to go and compare stats? Mason Mount six goals four assists on the season, uh, and and James Madison six goals and three assists on the season. 
And, you know, people think Mason Mount is an overhyped championship player. It just absolutely blows my mind. Uh, just just a heads up for all, all, all our listeners. The reason why Zach's quality is so shitty now is because he has no internet or no power. So he has to do the rest of the call from the phone. So Yeah, the coronavirus caused the blackout at my house. Dude, oh. The overreaction has been crazy, man. <laughs> so let's. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, about Mason Mount, um, I think I like him pressing more when he's uh, playing as a winger rather than in the midfield. But um, I just I think that the work rate combined with the goal scoring ability um, makes him so important for our midfield. That's just something that we don't really have from the other guys. I mean, mm-hmm. Kovacic is what well, he scored. He scored one goal finally for us. Jorginho isn't a goal-scoring threat unless it's from the penalty spot. And, you know, N'Golo Conte will score a couple goals every once in a while. But really, like that's not what you're asking from him. But with Mason Mount, he, he can be that goal-scoring threat from the midfield. That's actually so important when you have you know three guys up front you need you need one of the midfielders to make a run into the box every once in a while um just to overload the center backs um and get a guy open so mason mount i think is he he plays that role so perfectly um and it's been it's been phenomenal watching him play this season i think like i had no expectations for him coming in um and he's really outperformed himself and i think he's way better than james madison uh, in my opinion, I think he's, answered, he, he's basically answered every question that we've asked of him. Frank's mm-hmm. asked him to play multiple roles and he's done well at all of them. He's proved that he could play on the wing. He could play as a, as a natural 10, as a natural eight. Um, and, and he does have that goal scoring threat too. And we have to remember how young he is. People will look at his goal tally and say six goals in, you know, what, 25 plus appearances. Mm-hmm. That's not very prolific at all, but when you think about his age and his lack of experience in the Premier League up to this point, the only way is up for him. And honestly, Sam, I don't think he's a 10. I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to be putting up Frank Lampard-like numbers in the future in terms of goals and assists. Like, Frank was a he, he, he was a freak. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll reserve that role for uh, Ross Barkley. He is not a 2010. <laughs> a 20 and 10 player is what I'm saying. I think, you know, if you can get a guy like Mason Mount to produce, you know, any combination of goals and assists that could add up to somewhere between 12 and 15 a season, I think you're getting a lot out of him because he's not a 10. I definitely think he's a number eight and he's made that role his own. The real question here, Sam, is not, is, is he in our best midfield? I think it's more of, would you rather have Mason Mount playing the way he's playing in that role, or would you rather have N'Golo Conte there? And right now, the answer is Mason Mount. So, out, N'Golo Conte out? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I know, he's I know, I know. I, about it it's 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 the most it's the most painful this question is harder than you know the i can't even yeah i don't even know i think i think the the good thing is that me and you have no say on whether we keep them or not and i think we would be okay either way like i would be so happy if we decided to move on with him i mean move on with him or move on from him you know like either way i would be okay I would just wrap up N'Golo Conte and bubble wrap for yeah. one season. 
right. instead of losing him. I'd rather just wrap him in bubble wrap one season and say, here, let's see if this works. And if it doesn't, then we'll sell you for a hundred million. Or if, if it does work, we'll, we'll sell him. Cause if it doesn't work, we need N'Golo Conte back. <laughs> He'll be so cute wrapped up in bubble wrap. Would it be with a smile and everything? I could, I could just see like the only thing poking out of the bubble wrap is like his bald head and his smile. <laughs> he walks out of the mini Cooper wrapped in bubble wrap. <laughs> Popping on his way to the practice facility. <laughs> Shows up smile. the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, oh man, we okay, yeah. Let's huh? talk about the role players coming up big because uh, Ron had a, wanted to give a shout out to all the guys who had bad spells or who had to sit out, and they kept their heads up. And when they were given their chance, they really stepped up when it was needed. And uh, he gives a specific shout out to Ollie. Pedro and Keppa. So let's talk about Ali Giroud. We already mentioned him a little bit. Let's just wrap it up. I wanted to uh, say a quick quote that he said. Um, he says, aside from that, I don't know what that was, but either you sulk or you come back fighting to win your place back, the former Arsenal man said. <laughs> the coach promised me more playing time, and he has kept his word. I simply took my chance. I knew that it was unwise to go on strike or to try to mess with the atmosphere in the dressing room. That's not me. And I also knew that there was a large chance that I would stay at Chelsea. Uh, so, I mean, I think that th there's been discussions about, you know, there's quotes in the media about him saying that he's, you know, interested in signing a new deal with us. But I think that's more him trying to, you know, have a favor, like just not mess up the chemistry for the season. You know, I mean, I'm not going to hold him to that. Like it's a binding contract that he's going to sign with us next year because I don't, I, I don't blame him for wanting to move on to something different, but I would love to keep him with his contract yeah. running out. Do you think it's worth bringing him back? I mean, would you, would you, be okay having him as a number two next year what would what's your thoughts on Giroud moving forward not as a number two um the reason why I say that is because we are a young team and if we're going to stick with Tammy for the long haul you definitely can't bring someone in that's going to replace Tammy or put him on the bench because he needs to get game time but at the same time, you have to expect that a young player like Tammy is going to go through goal droughts like he did this season. I mean, he's going to go through another goal drought. That's just what strikers do. Even the best strikers, you know, go through periods where they don't score. And I think it's very important to have a backup that can get you goals uh, at will, essentially. And I don't think Olivier Giroud's that player. I would love to have him back um, it, to some extent. I think he'd be a great rotational guy. Um, you know, to to bring into the starting lineup every you know every so often when Tammy needs a rest, but you can't rely on him for goals. And for that reason, I would probably let him walk. Um, but I, with that being said, it's not you know let the door shut you on uh, you know hit you on ass on the way out. It's more along the lines of here's what we're gonna offer you if you take it. Great, love to have you around. But if not, you know, thanks for you know winning more trophies here than you did at Arsenal. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I think I'm on the same page as you. Uh, let, I'm gonna I'm gonna group together Pedro and Willian, um, because that they've been pretty decent as a duo. I mean, yeah, obviously against Everton they were phenomenal. Um, Willian was also amazing against Liverpool. Um, you know, I think Pedro. One one thing I want to say about him, it's just so great to have a guy like him on the pitch that his work rate um, is just. Is just unparalleled. He's no problem tracking back the whole length of the pitch. 
when needed. I mean, he's just you couldn't ask for more for a winger, honestly. He he does a lot of stuff that pisses me off, but his work rate is something that no one can ever ever you know put a cast a doubt on. Yeah, and I think and I think for everything that's gone wrong for Pedro, um, you know, in the last. 12 months or so you know he's had a clear dip in form he's lost a step he's not you know as confident as he is but yeah like like you said some there's no questioning the work rate that he has and he, he he's you can count on him to not only lose the ball but to try his hardest to win it back and mm-hmm. i think that's you know as silly as that sounds it's it's something that's important for the young players to see that even you know at his age and even though he's not the he's never been the biggest or the fastest or the quickest or the most you know, technically brilliant, but he just has that desire, um, and, and it rubs off on the rest of the team. And here's the thing with Pedro: when he puts in a good performance, he is one of the best players on the pitch. And that's I could say that with no hesitation, and I don't care if I get shit for it because it's true. But now he doesn't put together great performances as often as we'd like. But performances like this weekend was unbelievable. And to just kind of touch on William really quick. Um, I thought he had a very mature performance. He was kind of quiet at times, and I think uh, I, I still don't think he's fully fit. I think that was obvious during the Liverpool match. Um, did and, he leave you with know, injury that match, or I'm pretty sure he did. I think yeah. he hobbled off, you know, quote unquote Achilles injury <laughs> no, right? that scared death out of me. Why? Why does the Chelsea? Why, why do Chelsea's PR not put a lid on the word Achilles? I don't know, man. <laughs> After last season, that word should have just never be mentioned again. A heel. Say heel problem. Yeah, that's, that's what true. they say in the NBA. <laughs> when someone tears an Achilles, they go, oh, it's, it's it, the initial assessment's a heel injury. And it doesn't make people freak out as much. But I know. I mean, yeah, like, I, mean, I, I thought he was out for a while. Yeah, I thought so too. And hopefully Kovacic isn't out very much longer because we yeah. don't know much about that injury. But, you know, but the Pedro. feels fine without him, to be honest now. I think it is. I think it is. Um, let, let, but... Let's move on, but real quick, I just wanted to ask, uh, yeah. with, with with Pulisic nearing his return and Pedro's will, and William's recent performance, do you think Pulisic has to earn his place back again in that starting lineup? I think so, but I don't think it's a matter of you know Pulisic sitting on the bench five, six, seven matches uh, before he gets his opportunity. I think Frank is very honest with his players and and he lets you know where they stand and part of his brilliant man management is his ability to say hey i'm gonna pull you out of the firing line you'll get your you'll you'll get another chance i'm still with you i'm still on your side you know Mm -hmm. i'm still supporting you i just think it's better for you and for the team if we just put you out to the side for a sec pulisic was forced to do that i mean beginning of the season he wasn't forced to do that you know frank did kind of freeze him out um but you know now he had the injury He's been out of the side. He kind of lost, you know, whatever momentum he had. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to show what kind of player Pulisic really becomes for Chelsea after a long injury for Pedro. All right, let's move on to Kepa. You know, Frank, Frank, Frank is just showing willing allegiance to William. But yeah. speaking of unwilling allegiances. Uh, not You're not talking about Kepa, right? <laughs> no, I am talking about Kepa. Oh, man. Yeah, because definitely um, – Huh? What do we think of this guy? I don't know. I mean, he didn't have <laughs> didn't really have much to do against Everton because Everton looked like yeah. shit. But I mean, Liverpool that triple save <laughs> that was just that was hilarious. Yeah. That was uh, I mean, it could not have been more perfect for the situation that he was in. Something like that happening. Um, you happy to see him back, Zach? 
look, anybody wearing a Chelsea shirt, I want to succeed. I, right. I, I, I don't hate on any Chelsea player. I will talk shit. I'll criticize. But, you know, if they put in a good – like Ross Barkley, I talk so much shit about him. But, you know, I'm the first one to praise him in a good performance. And Kepa has shown a real uh, ability to bounce back. Um, he looked more commanding in his box. He was more tidy in possession. He looked more assured of himself, especially against Liverpool. Some uh, that was the most vocal I've seen Kepa, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's definitely a bright spot. You know, looking into the future because we talked about it. It's going to be hard to get our money back for him if we want to pursue another goalkeeper. I st- I'd still like to explore other options, but you know, if he's playing well and he has his confidence, he showed an ability to bounce back, and he did it last season as as well against you know Frankfurt in the in the, in the Europa League. He had a little bad spell for a while and came back, a couple big penalty saves, and then boom! All of a sudden, you know, we have a decent keeper on our hands. So good for him, but um, you know, where, where do you stand on it? Because I'm I'm rooting for his success, and I think that he has yeah. the talent, and I just think that it was a it it, it was a lot of a mental you know a lot of it was mental. Um, and I think there's a lot of blame to be put on our back line, of course. So I haven't given up on him. I never have. You know, it. this happens all the time. Frank has done it to so many players just this season that we've talked about where you, you he benched them for a couple matches to get their heads right. I'm not worried. Let's, yeah. Oh, and then your next point on this it says fuck off. Is that what, – what does that no. mean? No, I was writing that to you while you were uh, oh. you were writing a script. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll I'll make note of that. Um, For those of you that don't know, me and Sam's relationship only consists our whole friendship actually has only consisted of insulting each other. Pretty much, right? No, I give you I give you give you credit when you need it, but you are, t- you are very ugly like, though. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'd say about seventy-five percent of our just of our friendship. Friendly banter. Uh, that's yeah. actually that's actually my. You can describe. You can categorize all my friendships like that. To be honest, but it's a bantership. You're right. Anyway, so let's go on to our Twitter, Twitter, Twitter questions. Um, first one from Nacho A. Fuentes. He says, "With Tammy having rejected the newest contract offer, should we target a new striker, or should we give him the wages that he wants?" Um, Andreas actually sent his questions in or his answers in. Um, so let me read his real quick. He says, I don't blame the guy for wanting to secure his future. It's Chelsea's fault for setting that principle with Cho. With that said, if Michi and Giroud both leave, Chelsea should get a player as good, if not better than Tammy. Regardless, that contract will get signed. Zach, what do you think? Uh, he, he, he hit the nail right on the head. I don't know why people are so frustrated about, you know, these contract negotiations. If somebody puts uh, a large number in front of your face, you're going to think, hmm, this is their starting offer? Maybe I could get some more. That's what Cho did, and that's exactly what Tammy Abraham's doing. That's what their agents are doing. Let's let's clarify. That's what their agents are doing. Yeah, exactly. But, that's business. You know, at the same time, come on. The, the players want it too. Um, he's... He's done. He hasn't really put a foot wrong this season. If anything, he's doubled his value. So you know the contract's going to get signed. I don't know why everyone's up in arms about this. It's just like Twitter bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it's it is it is something something to like think about. You know, it's always going to be in the back of our mind because that. Where's did... Tim Post? What? 
where's he going to go? Like, that's the thing. If he doesn't sign this contract, where's Tammy Abraham going to go? Darby County? No. You can't. <laughs> Some think about a young 21-year-old English striker, first season, first full season as a. Well, you. You're getting cut off. Double-digit goals. I mean, come on. But the thing is, Zach, you could say the same thing about Cho last year. But, I mean, what's the difference? What's the difference between him and Cho? This is the same situation. Exact same situation, yeah. Yeah, so I was worried last time. I'm going to be worried now. <laughs> Ron, okay, the next question is from Ron. He says, with everyone healthy and we get Ampadu back, who stays and who goes in our midfield? Zach, what do you think? Andreas didn't have an answer for this question, so we'll start off with you. Um, I don't think he's a midfielder anymore. <laughs> After watching what he did uh, for Leipzig in the Champions League, I think he looks like a potential Nathan Ake-esque center back. Um, but, you know, obviously he could play in the midfield. I'd like to keep Ethan Ampadu, but look, after looking this season, it's going to be really difficult to get results while playing your youngsters every single week. And I think Fikayo Tomori's fallen victim to that. Um, and you look at a guy like uh, Tarek Lamptey as well. Um, if Ampadu comes back, we already have three players that we're going to be invested in that are young, that we're trying to get game time to, and Lothus Cheek and Mason Mount, Billy Gilmore. Where is the playing time for Ethan Ampadu, and could he benefit more somewhere else? It's not that I want to get rid of him. I just think he'd be better off going on loan somewhere. Um, you know, if we could send him to like a bright to like a team like Brighton, where you know he'll be in a relegation scrap, probably in the team every other week. Um, you know playing week in week out i think that's way more important i think we have to look at the as chelsea fans you know we get really excited about this season but we really have to look at what's going to benefit us the most in the long term and historically young teams don't win titles um you know you have to have that mix and you know if we're going to have that extra space in our squad next season i you know, as much as I'd love to have Ampadu around, I just think he'd benefit somewhere else and we could bring someone in that's more experienced who we don't need to cater as much um, TLC to, I guess you can say. All right, then uh, Nick Lennartson had a couple of questions. This is a good one. You can give one player an extension. Who would you choose of the three? Pedro, Ollie, or Willian? And he said based on the Everton game match, but... I think that's a gen more general question. Out of those three, who do you who do you pick? Well, this is interesting because you know Pedro is gone. Um, I don't think there's any chance he stays. Mm-hmm. Willian is definitely good enough to get you know a consistent run out somewhere in Europe, week in and week out. Um, probably at a top club. He's been linked with Juve, which I think he could actually play in really well. But then, like, Ali Giroud's also another guy trying to engineer his way out, wants more playing time. Out of the three, I think the most realistic is Ali Giroud. You know, he's getting his playing time now. If he gets selected for the Euros, has a really good Euros, I think he might hang around for a bit. Um, But, you know, I just, uh, personally, I can't see Pedro or William stay. William's very, very adamant on that three-year deal, and that puts him at almost 34 years old. And I just don't think that's a price Chelsea are willing to pay. And I don't think it's smart financially either. Yeah, I think I think that Giroud is the clear answer. I mean, 
Pedro, I don't think we need to talk much about because obviously he's on a different t like time time frame than the other two players. Um, but I, I mean, Andreas said said uh, Giroud as well. I, I want to read quickly what he said. He just said that he's been the perfect pro, and I think he could teach a lot to Tammy and Broha. And I agree with his statement. Um, I think that just having him on the on the roster um, and on the squad in training, he, he has a lot to give. Uh, not only in match, but handing handing down to the youngsters. So I would pick Giroud. Um, so the next question, Nick. This is kind of related to Ron's question. He says, "What's the midfield?" They said packing order. I think he meant to say packing order. When everybody's back and fit, do we need Ross Barkley? Uh, we already talked about this a little bit, but quickly I'll I'll, I'll read Andreas as he says, Kovacic, Jorginho for now, Mount, Gilmore, Conte, Barkley, RLC, only because he hasn't played. Um, surprised that he put Conte that low. He put him as fifth <laughs> and put Billy Gilmore ahead of him. Um and somehow he put Ross Barkley below him, which is the most surprising part of it, obviously. But <laughs> um, I mean, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think of Andreas's order? Did you, would you change anything? He said for now for Jorginho. So yeah, um, so once again, Kovacic, Jorginho, Mount, Gilmore, Conte, Barkley, RLC. Yeah, I would say that's just about right. Um, you know, at this point. I think Jorginho is only declining. I think Kovacic is still our most important midfielder. Mason Mount, we talked about him. So I, I would, I think I would switch Mason Mount and Jorginho. Kovacic and Mason Mount would probably be one A, one B for me. Wow, uh, N'Golo Conte that low is 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 weird for me. I would put him higher. Where we're at, though. Huh? It's 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 kind of where we're at, and it's sad to say, but I guess. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I. It, we say this every week. I have no idea, man. We'll see. Uh, is Kepa, he says, is Kepa solid and back to stay? I think so. Right, Zach? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Andrea says, man management at its finest from Frank. Much better performance. I still believe in him. We already talked about this. All right. Last question. Tamori, will he fit in? I mean, Andrea says, <laughs> what the heck is going on with Tamori? He has one bad game and it's taken out of the squad again. It's a shame, really. I think he deserves minutes over Rudiger. Oh, absolutely. Rudiger has been really bad lately, and he's he's terrible in a back three. I mean, he's been so bad, and I'm just so surprised that we don't see Tamori in there more, especially when we've been playing with three back a couple times in the last couple matches. Um, again, I see Tamori. I see Tamori going on loan next year. I think he's another one where. You know, we're going to sell Zuma um, or, you know, we could sell Zuma, but we also might not. Um, he's been decent. And, and if you look at the season as a whole, I think Zuma has been more solid overall. And I think Frank just trusts him more. Um, so I could definitely see a guy like uh, Tamori going out on loan, possibly offloading, you know, a guy like Zuma as well. And then bringing in that Koulibaly or world-class established just monster center back signing this summer because I just think it's inevitable that it's going to happen unless, you know, we go after Lewis dunk, God help us all. But, um, it, it, it's an interesting one. I, I think Frank has his mind made up at this point that, you know, Tamori's immediate future is not necessarily at the club. 
and that he needs to develop and 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 make his game a little bit more well-rounded uh, to be able to cope with the Premier League because I think the pressure has got to him uh, at a club like Chelsea. And to be fair, I'm surprised it hasn't happened to more of our youngsters. Um, and I think Tamori is the first one that we're starting to see cracks start to show. Um, and and I, feel, I think he's feeling a little di- uh, uncomfortable at the moment. All right, let's wrap up with a preview of the Aston Villa match. Right now they're sitting 17th in the table looking at relegation. They've lost their last four matches in a row. They've only scored in three of their pre- previous six matches, uh, matchups with Chelsea. Um, Zach, are you, are you thinking a 4-3-3 or a 3-4-3? Three, three? Uh, before you answer, um, Andreas actually sent a general comment. Um, he said, I thought we wouldn't see the return of the 4-3-3 since Frank has been playing with the 4-2-3-1. I've been vocal as to why have, I have always preferred the formation. I think it adds a bit of random of a random factor it gets more out of mount and in a way it makes our build up quicker and less predictable i don't i we didn't go only to the wings for the first time in months and i think a huge part of it is the return of the 4-3-3 uh obviously he's he, he he's asked he's talking about the difference between a 4-3-3 and a 4-2-3-1 but um we've seen a lot of 3-4-3 uh thrown out there as well zach what, what do you think happens in uh, this week it has to be a 4-3-3. Um, long story short, Sam, Aston Villa can't keep the ball out of the back of the net. You thought we had defensive problems. This is the only team that's worse than us at defending set pieces. Um, so just to kind of give you an idea, the 3-3 makes sense. It's the most fluid. Um, and they're going to give us chances, whether we're on top of our game or just decent. Um, we will get our opportunities and there will be goals. Um, so, you know, with that being said, I guess I could kind of tie my prediction into this. We'll start with a 4-3-3 and I'm going to go 3-1 Chelsea. I think we're going to go, uh, I think we might keep, we're going to keep a clean sheet. And I'm, my prediction is we'll see a repeat of this weekend, 4-0 win. Uh, we'll see Billy uh, Gilmore oh. once again have an amazing match and uh, Ross Barkley will score a brace we'll get a double well didn't this feel like old time song where you would just you know m- try to keep a lid on all of my 15 minute rants yeah we spent the first like 25 minutes just talking about billy gilmore so <laughs> <laughs> andreas is probably really happy that he's not he wasn't a part of this today it was very unorganized <laughs> yeah Free i calling. know it was He's, he's probably going to have a lot of anxiety, if anything. Yeah. So to those of you that are listening and getting anxiety as well, we apologize. But, you know, Sam and I. Um, that, that's what that's what got us popular in the first place, Zach. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm thinking about <laughs> about dropping Andreas completely. I'm yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. But I obviously love but Yeah, no, I, I, ho- I hope you're listening. Fuck you, but we love you. Hey, um, no, we're just kidding. We love you. Um, but we also love our lovely listeners, so let's not torture them any longer. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter if you're not already, at Roman's Empire Pod. Um, we are now on Anchor Psalm, so uh, check us out on Spotify. It's pretty cool to see the logo there. Yeah, I feel dude, like a, Anchor is awesome. Yeah, a- Anchor, Anchor a- actually. Really you know, sick. Anchor allows our listeners to donate to our podcast. Like, they can wow. just send us money if they want. Well, no way. So yeah. then my internet won't have to cut out in the middle of our recording anymore. <laughs> 
if you guys want to continue listening to our podcast, you have to send us money, okay? That's that's the new rule. <laughs> or else we won't be able to pay for electricity. Yeah, okay? we're going Alex Goldberg on all your asses. We're going through a recession right now. I know. But <laughs> if, to be if, able to... if you get a bonus on your paycheck, just send it over our way, all right? <laughs> just send that over our way. Hey, before, Eddie, last thing I want to say before we wrap up, just the last yeah. stat. Okay. Twenty-one of the of Chelsea's goals this season have come via che- uh, come via English players. So only Leicester and Southampton have had more. Love that. Uh huh. Love that nationality too. Nationality and pride. All we got to do is get Danny Ings on in our side, and then uh, we'll definitely have the most goals mm-hmm. scored by any player. Definitely. Well, anyways, uh, I don't want Danny Ings. I just want to put that on the record. But until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.